down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. I once heard someone say that from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, your body is a business, and you are its CEO. Upon hearing that analogy, I became curious about the comparison and started to explore this notion. I mean, who hasn't dreamed of being an influential business executive, wielding power and making critical decisions on a daily basis? If this comparison is accurate, then in all actuality, You are the administrator of your body's business. But what type of organization are you running? If we considered our body's system to that of a factory's operational process, then we might make division among labor, production, and other various departments. For example, our body's circulatory, respiratory, and excretory systems each play a vital role in the overall manufacturing processes of our physical functioning and productivity. Just as the machinery, assembly worker, and management work in sync to produce a quality product for that particular plant. If likening oneself to a business enterprise that strives for expansion, innovation, and for serving as the standard among its competitors, then our mind would serve as the executive director, and we would focus on equipping our body to adapt to fast-changing societal trends and preparing for the ebb and flow of everyday life. And with that said, What if the market crashes and the company goes under? How does that compare to this business we're referring to as our body? Can we assume that this collapse is comparable to what was once known as a nervous breakdown and is known in today's health field as extreme emotional distress? According to Very Well Mind, The term nervous breakdown is a colloquial catch-all intended to describe symptoms that may represent a number of different psychiatric conditions. Factors such as stress, abuse, the death of a loved one, and financial problems often contribute to a person's emotional collapse. There are certain individuals who have genetic factors that predispose them to the possibility of acquiring a mental illness that can lead to an emotional disruption, but sometimes there are other determinants that can cause an individual to go off course and experience a devastating downfall. 
psychiatric term known as derealization refers to a state in which the individual feels detached from his or her surroundings. And according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, depersonalization describes the person who feels detached from him or herself to the point that they feel like a spectator or onlooker of their very own life. And according to WebMD, more than half of all people may have experienced a disconnection from reality once in their lifetime. Before we go any further, I want to make this disclaimer. I am not a mental health expert, and I strongly encourage anyone who might be struggling with emotional issues to seek professional help. Please do not insert your own passport choices into any of these storylines. And by all means, don't pass judgment on those who didn't behave or respond to a situation in the way that you would have. In past episodes, we've talked about marginalized people and define them as those who are treated as insignificant or viewed as outsiders in today's society. And when an individual feels like they fall into this category, he or she will often seek to find others who are like them, someone they feel they can identify with and relate to. Sean Great was one of those individuals. In an interview with the Mansfield News Journal in October of 2016, Tristan Kilgallen, an assistant professor of criminal justice at Ohio Northern University, shared that Great fits the profile of a power controller killer. They are usually charismatic, often intelligent, and know how to manipulate people. And if that fails, they may use physical force on their victims. The professor added that great may have an ideal victim type or simply select victims because they are easy targets. As we move on and discuss his victims, understand that I am presenting the facts as they have been reported in news media accounts and by law enforcement officials. I'm prefacing this because I am by no means trying to label any of these women. Instead, I'm trying to provide a window in which listeners can peek into the backstories of these women to better understand that what happened to them could very easily happen to any of us. In laying out the known chronology of Sean Great's murder spree, authorities believe that 23-year-old Dana Nicole Lowry of Menden, Louisiana, was his first victim. Lowry was traveling cross-country selling magazine subscriptions and, to her detriment, arrived at the door of Sean Great's mother. 
According to the Marion County Sheriff, Great was angry because Miss Lowry failed to deliver the magazines she had sold to his mom. So he lured her into his car by telling her he wanted to order more magazines. He then drove her to his house, took her down to the basement, killed her by stabbing her in the neck. He wrapped her body in a sheet and then dumped her remains on Victory Road. On September 13, 2016, in Ashland County, Ohio, a 911 call was placed by a woman stating that she had been kidnapped and repeatedly raped by a man and was being held at the time the call was placed. With quick action by the Ashland Police Department, the victim was rescued. Sean Crate was arrested on the scene and a search of the vacant house in which he had been living led to the discovery of two bodies, one of which belonged to Stacy Stanley, also known as Stacy Hicks, who had been reported as missing by her family a week earlier. According to the details from his trial, Great met Stanley at a local BP station and helped her change a flat tire. A video found on Great's cell phone showed Stacy reminding Great that he told her she could leave, and the next video showed her being raped by Great. The other body found that day was identified as Elizabeth Griffith, who had been missing for about a month. Those who knew her described Griffith as being very regimented, and not contacting members of her support system was out of the ordinary for her. During her last known conversation, she reportedly seemed very excited about something, and her friend described her as being giddy, and she took that to mean Griffith had met someone. Elizabeth's remains were placed inside a locked closet. When they were discovered, they were covered with maggots and buried under piles of clothing. After Great's arrest, he led them to other victims, one of whom was Rebecca Lacey. Her body was found in an Ashland County wooded area in March of 2015. At first, authorities ruled her death as an overdose. But after Great's confession, Rebecca Lacey's case was reopened and Great confessed to strangling her and dumping her body in that field. Candace Cunningham, who had been living with Sean Great in Mansfield, was actually never reported as missing. But after his arrest, Great admitted to murdering her inside of an abandoned house, which was later burned and suspected as arson. And then he dumped her body down a wooded ravine behind the house. In looking back at the chronological order of these women's deaths, we learned that on March 10, 2007, human bones were discovered on a rural Ohio road 
that was commonly used as a dumping ground. After Sean Gray confessed to killing this woman in a murderous rage, authorities were able to determine that Marion, Ohio's Jane Doe was actually Dana Lowry, who had been missing for over a decade. According to KTBS3, an ABC affiliate in Shreveport, David Cobb, the father of Lowry's children, who were four and one at the time of their mother's disappearance, stated about Lowry, we had a falling out and were separated. She called one day and said she was in Ohio selling magazines. She used to call three or four times a week and talk to the girls. Then one day she just stopped and May of 2006 was the last time I heard from her. He said he just assumed that when the call stopped coming in, Dana must have decided to move on with her life. That's just the kind of person she was, he said. And he added that he never filed a missing persons report. And since her parents were already deceased, he thought that maybe her aunt had reported her as missing. Mr. Cobb isn't the first person who failed to report someone as missing especially someone who might have a history of vanishing from time to time. And Dana Lowry wasn't the first woman to disappear from her loved ones because of the actions of a serial killer. 44 years ago, a body was found along the Escatapa River Marsh Coastal Preserve in Mississippi. In 2012, those remains were identified as Clara Birdlong, who family members suspected had left with the man who was passing through the area. Ms. Birdlong, formerly known as the Escatapa Jane Doe, was discovered to be a victim of Samuel Little, one of America's most atrocious serial killers, who, before his death, confessed to killing 93 people. Although his crime spree spread across the country, Little developed sexual fantasies of strangling women while he was an Ohio kindergartner who witnessed his teacher rubbing her neck. Sadly, Ohioans have factored into serial killer deaths at an alarming rate. Sharpen your shovels, embrace yourselves, because you're going to hear a heartbreaking and hair-raising account of a local family's brush with serial evil. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the street. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered-down women. Weekend in light While searching for love No pain in this world With no help from above
passionate.